Hello there, my name is Alyssa Olenek. I am obsessed with all things exercise, science, outdoors, and growing an honest online business. I've spent the last 10 years studying exercise physiology, nutrition, and metabolism, and I'm here to help you move past the extremes in the fitness and wellness industries to have the real conversations we're not often willing to have with a sprinkle of sass and a whole lot of truth. I'm here to help you confidently live with me in the messy middle. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Messy Middle Podcast. I'm super excited about today's guest, Cara Nordine. She is all about mindset. She is a recent PhD grad that like literally like a month ago, so Dr. Nordine for you guys. Um, but she reached out to me about being on the podcast, and I hadn't actually come across her information yet. And then when I found her, I feel like we've just had rage fest in the DMs about all these things that we both are equally passionate about or see in the industry. But where I'm opinionated, she's educated. So we're going to bring her on the podcast today to shed some light on these things, on how we can actually apply mindset to the black and white extreme. So like this is perfect for the Messy Media podcast, but like actually defining like the difference between grind culture and like always treat yourself culture that we see a lot in the polarizing fitness industry that it's now become. And then actual myths around mindset coaches, you know, like the, the, the psychological version of hormone coaches and like what actual behavior behavior change looks like, how we can actually implement behavior change. Can we actually change our behaviors? Then we're going to rant probably a little bit on consistency. I know that for so many of you, whenever I ask you about all the things that you struggle with the most with your fitness, it's always consistency. So we're going to chat about that. And then at the very end, if you guys don't know, she recently got a job with Precision Nutrition, which is pretty cool. Probably anyone that's allowed to do nutrition coaching in the industry is probably certified through Precision Nutrition. They're one of the more popular ones, really well recognized. And she's working with them now with curriculum design, but that she's like an expert at that. And so she can help you. So if you're a fitness coach, please hang around to the end because we're going to teach you how to make better freaking content and actually communicate better on your platform. So Karen is super smart. She's super sassy. And the one thing I love the most, especially for those who don't follow her on Instagram, is she is just organically herself. And I love that, like showing up with like her, her snuggy hoodie things and just like, and I'm, you know me, I'm all about being unapologetically just like a slob kebab and who you are and just rocking and rolling with it. And so I feel like I found her through an email, but it was fate. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I'm so excited. I feel like this is about to get loud and rowdy. Oh my gosh. What an amazing introduction. Um, I am really happy to be here. I'm so excited to be on the podcast. I'm a mega fan of the podcast. So I literally um, just emailed in and was like, hey, I'm a really big fan. Can I be on your podcast? Um, and <laughs> Not, don't everyone go and do that at yeah, once. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, but so a little bit about me, but one thing I, before I like dive into who I am and what my story is, I think it's funny that you say that about me and my Instagram account, because, um, as of like literally October of 2020, I was too terrified to post an emoji and a caption on Instagram because I, I didn't like. I didn't think I was worthy of like influencer status. And I thought only influencers like posted emojis. So my account as it stands right now, like me actually like coming on stories and posting things on a regular basis has only been happening since October. And I had a huge mental block, but I had a growth mindset, which is Ooh. what I study about yeah. that. And I was able to say, okay, like I may think I think I suck at Instagram right now, but I'm going to get better at it. And so that's how I ended up kind of where I am. 
right now. So there's your <laughs> your first gross, your first gross psychological mindset. tip. But yeah. this is good because I have a feeling that a lot of the people, a lot like both people who are consumers of fitness industry content or creators can benefit from today's episode because we're going to shed light to a lot of things around this. But that's so many things with like younger pages or yeah. by younger, I don't mean like you're 20. I, oh, don't be offended if I say you're young when you're 20, heaven forbid. Um, but like baby pages, like you just started. I feel like so many people are just afraid to show up in those themselves. I actually did a cons- consult call yesterday, not to sidetrack the podcast, where I someone paid me for my time and asked me all about getting their page started and things to do. And like one of the biggest things of advice, I was like, show up in your stories, start talking to people and be yourself. And they're like, I don't have that many followers. Can I start doing that now? And I was like, yeah, you start now. So like they were under the influence that I got to do that because I had so many followers. I was like, no, no, no. I got so many followers by doing that when I didn't have so many followers. So I love that. I love that for you. I love the application of your own science. (laughs) Isn't it great when your own science kicks your own ass? You're like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I catch myself in it all the time. I'm like, hmm, that sounds like a fixed mindset when I'm thinking something. Um, But okay, so about me, my name is Karin. Hello. Hi. I am (laughs) a super fresh PhD grad. I graduated with my PhD um, literally like a month ago. So that's exciting. Um, Technically, I guess my graduation was May 10th. So woo. Um, And right now I am a curriculum writer for Precision Nutrition. So I help them write content. I actually write some of their content on in terms of their like change psychology stuff. And I help them make sure their curriculum is learnable by people essentially. Um, And then I also run my own company, which is called Body Brain Alliance. And really like what I do there is all about teaching people how to engage in compassionate change. And I do that through two places. I help people who are actually in the behavior change process, changing their own behavior. And I help coaches who are trying to change other people's behavior, do it better. Um, So a little bit of background on that. When I was doing my PhD, I studied mindset theory, um, which is the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Um, and all about how those different mindsets impact your psychological feelings about different situations and your abilities to learn and change. So that was essentially my dissertation was I built a mindset intervention that actually statistically increased people's mindsets um, after they took the intervention. We yeah. So which is actually like I I have to give myself credit here because it was a one-time intervention. So it was like a 15-minute thing that they went through and their mindsets changed after they engaged in that material and the change lasted until the end of the semester. And so to have that kind of impact after a 15-minute intervention in the behavior change world is like low-key unheard of. And I did not realize that until all four of my committee members in my dissertation defense were like, do you know how cool that is? And I was like, no, but now I know and I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> Wait, okay, hold up. We're just going to just, we're just going to dive right in. We're just going to do this. Um, okay, are you, is it published yet? It's not published yet. Okay, no. so you can't but talk about it yet. Never mind. I have, never mind. No, no, no. You, can t- you can talk about it. We can talk about it because I okay. have two articles that came before the dissertation that are published. So there's enough stuff okay, out there about Okay, so it. I'm curious then, okay, because I know there's like weird rules in science about sharing your stuff. and Those aren't in science. People just hide everything until it's published. And sometimes it's actually responsible. You don't want to say my data is true until someone else tells you that they agree that you have the right interpretation and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So 
Can you tell us what was the intervention? Like, yeah. is that something that's applicable to like our listeners or people? Because I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's super applicable. So um, there were actually three different versions of the intervention, um, but they all had a couple things in common. And so I'll translate this into tips. So the intervention was specifically about, do you believe your mindset towards communication or do you believe your communication skills can improve? So one thing that everybody in the world, particularly like quote mindset coaches um, get wrong is they're like, oh, adopt a growth mindset just, and they like conflate it with positive thinking. They conflate it with like just thinking that you can do Mm -hmm. things, but mindset is actually very like domain specific. So what that means is that you have a growth mindset or you believe you can improve specific qualities, but you may not believe you can improve or change other qualities. Mm -hmm. So for example, you could be like, oh yeah, for sure I can gain muscle, but you know what? I don't think that I can ever fix my sleep. And it's so important to recognize the domain specificity of it because Otherwise, you'll think just because I have a growth mindset in one area, that automatically means I definitely have a growth mindset everywhere else. Mm -hmm. So that's like an important distinction there. Um, But the intervention basically showed students um, a video of someone speaking very poorly, like doing a really, really terrible job at communication. And then they showed him like struggling basically. So practicing, walking back and forth, kind of like fumbling, really like going through it essentially, like practicing as you would. And then it showed a um, sort of like an after version where the speaking was really clear. He was much better. Um, And so the actual visualization is that of that process was key and that video intervention was the only intervention that worked out of all the ones I did. So it wasn't the message of like communication skills can be improved that actually changed their minds. It was them watching it live, like watching the struggle happen that made them believe that they can improve. Does this mean that I have to share even more failures on Instagram for people to believe that I struggle behind the scenes? Is this what you're telling me? Your personal <laughs> failures, I I don't think, I mean, to be fair, I think you share a lot. Like, I think you share a really good amount of all of the failures that you you experience in your life. But this is like one thing that I don't think that coaches do enough and I don't think that we see enough in the fitness world is you see the before and the after Mm -hmm. and you don't see the like messy middle where it's like your fourth day on macros and you've like already screwed up and you're like 60 grams over your fat and you're feeling terrible about yourself Mm -hmm. or like you know whatever that happens to be like we don't show we don't showcase those moments of struggle because we're trying to market our businesses and that's understandable. But what you need to realize is that that struggle is really relatable. It's really marketable and it's going to be really powerful for your clients actually growing and realizing that they can change these things you're trying to teach. Especially when you like, I mean, I think not everything is Instagram, but in social media, but that is where a lot of people are consuming this type of content or they're coming to this podcast from. So we can use it for a good example for all these things, but I think for so many, like these coaches think that they have to make themselves look like they're perfect all the time in order for people to buy from them. And like most people 
they just, they are struggling so much and they don't think anyone else does. And they think that the only way that you can be successful in fitness is if you get to a pinnacle of never struggling. And like, trust me when I say, and I'm pretty like good at this whole fitness thing, right? And I fuck up all of the time. I didn't hate my protein macros after I had the stomach flu for a month. (laughs) I mean, like after I let myself recover, you know what I mean? Like I didn't like force feed myself anything when I was recovering. But when I started to track again, it was like my body reset. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I was like, I can't figure this out for a month. I was yeah. like, I was like, Alyssa, you and I know everything. Like, I know the answers. <laughs> I'm not gonna go into someone's QA box and be like, how do I do this? But like, I literally fucked it up for a month. But then yeah. I like, then it, it worked. You know what I mean? Like I got back onto track, but like, no, yeah, like I completely agree, because that's most people, right? Most people are like, shit. Like, I think that's probably the biggest thing when you first like using macros as an example, like, oh shit, I'm over fat. Like that's literally everyone under the sun. Yeah. Everyone under the sun is like shit shit, how do I fix this? And then they think they're broken and demoralized and they never think they're going to get to that after because people want to show the before and after. So yeah, I love that. And I think that's very, very real, but also to touch to coaches and people on social media sharing this stuff, like not to toot my own horn, but I think people like me because I just share all the shit behind the scenes. Like they want to see that people trust me when I say people want you to like videotape your whole life and share it with them. Like they want to see that. (laughs) They want to see the real. They want to see the messy. Like literally like that's that's what is they're going through and they are going to buy into you and trust you more if you show that you're also a human who struggles and you're not just a food calculating fitness doing robot. Yeah. Well, and like for the people who just are trying to change something, like when that thing doesn't go well one day, like when you skip your habit or when you sleep in in the morning way past when you were supposed to wake up or when you like... I don't know, didn't do your daily journaling, like whatever it is that you're trying Mm -hmm. to change. What if you just didn't view that as a problem? What if it was just fine and you were like, oh, it didn't happen. And then you just moved on and tried to do it again the next day, right? Like that's the biggest change I see in my personal clients is they learn that like you fixating on what you did yesterday and this past week and last month as like, oh, I didn't do this or, oh, I didn't hit this goal or blah, 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 blah. That's not helping you at all. Like Mm -hmm. unless you're doing it in a very specific neutral way of like, oh, I'm going to look back and peek at what went well and what didn't go well and the difference between those two things. Very objective versus like emotional. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But like you being like, you know, putting in somebody's question box, what do I do? Because yesterday I didn't do my journaling and I'm trying to do this habit for 21 days. Like that doesn't, it doesn't help you to fixate on that. No, I love that too. Cause I think that's a lot of people because, and maybe you can talk to like how you adjust this with clients or people or training coaches, how to do this is like, I feel like people do this a lot with nutrition and fitness, right? This is everything we see. I fell off the wagon. So fuck it all. I call it fuck it nation. I'm going to yeah. swear a lot on this episode. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I just feel like it's appropriate, but I call it fuck it nation. Cause that's what people do. They're like, well, I ate a candy bar, so I might as well go like freaking go shotgun 75 slices of cake and run to the Wendy's <laughs> drive through And like, you know what I mean? Like that's like the yeah. – it's like, okay, well, I screwed up. So how much food can I eat at once or how sedentary can I be for the next week until I decide to start over again? Yeah. And I don't – and I, that is just such a vicious, vicious mindset cycle that people yeah. do where it's like you're like, oh, well, that happened. Okay, well, tomorrow I'm just going to get back on it. And I know that's so much easier said than done. So can you shed some light on, like, maybe practical ways that people can, like – because I think 
when we all start, we have that approach. Like right. I, many moons ago, I had I talked about that in my first Messy Middle episode. For those of you who like haven't listened to it since the very beginning, like I talked about that a little bit because um, I used to be a quote unquote clean eater back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how like we can bridge ourselves over to the land of like, eh, yeah. okay, like instead of like that panic spiral that people tend to get into? Yeah. So I mean, if if there truly is like like a land of fuck it all, then like I used to be the empress of the like fuck it all <laughs> land. Because when I tell you, like, if I, there's that like stupid saying of like, oh, just cause you popped one tire, don't slash the other three. I would have, that tire would have popped. I would have slashed all three of the tires. I would have gotten a new car. I would have gotten a new house. Like <laughs> I would have overhauled my life just because one thing went wrong. And that was like perpetually something that I was struggling with. And I got into behavior change. Like I have read 144 self-help books. I got into behavior change because I was struggling with my own behavior. And I was so like, viciously focused on all the things I was doing wrong and why I couldn't be consistent and why I couldn't do these habits and why I couldn't change and get up in the morning and grow and improve. And I was going through it, especially in, um, undergrad and like early master's degree. And then in my PhD was kind of like when I actually figured things out. Um, but in terms of like what I actually did and what I recommend clients do in order to just, figure that all out. So there's like like really four parts. Um, The first part is just awareness. So just noticing when that black and white mentality pops up, right? So that doesn't even have to be like changing it. You can just literally notice like, oh, right now I'm feeling that if I don't do my 60 minute high intensity workout, I'm going to sit on the couch all night and there's no in between. So like just building a little bit of awareness of your own thoughts there is that's the first part. And then like two, and this is going to sound counterintuitive, but the second thing you knew you need to do is just accept that those thoughts are going to be there. So my brain still is going to send me those things. Like when I, miss a day of my habits on my spreadsheet that I'm tracking, I want to start the spreadsheet over. Like I still have those thoughts, but I don't get mad at myself for having those thoughts. I don't think those thoughts are bad. I don't try to make them go away. I'm just like, Oh, there's that thought. My brain's sending me again. Like no big deal. My brain loves black and white. It's always going to send me the black and white option. And I have the power to say, no, no, thanks. We're not going to do that. And so then the third thing is, adjustment, right? So saying like, instead, what do I want to think instead of the black and white option? So if the black and white option, my brain always sends me is 16 minute high intensity workout or night on the couch. I can think to myself, well, what thought would I like to offer my brain when it says that (laughs) I can offer my brain the thought 10 minutes is better than nothing. And so maybe you focus in on just doing 10 minutes of activity rather than nothing. And then the fourth thing is action, right? So then you take the action that is in the middle of the black and white. Um, And I think, and I've had some clients who this has helped. Like one other thing too, is you can do like a 30 day imperfection challenge. 
So I've had my clients like pick something they're super black and white about and intentionally do something that is in the messy middle there for like 30 days straight, like literally intentionally fuck something up for 30 days straight, because then you learn to be in that uncomfortable state. Like you learn to live in the gray and navigate your mindset better around that. Yeah. I feel like everyone should just go to grad school because you fuck (laughs) everything up there. But I see that a lot though. Like, I mean, I think that's really hard for like, a master's doesn't challenge that as much because master's is still kind of like handheld. Yeah. Like undergrad plus. Yeah. Um, no offense to people who just have master's degrees. You're very smart, but just the the research process is different. It's different. Um, yeah. I'm, someone's going to get butthurt about that. I'm not saying you're unintelligent if you have a master's degree. Master, my master's is probably harder than my PhD because you get better as you go as well. But anyway, um, you fail so much and you have to like fess up to your failure all of the time. And so people struggle with that all the time. But you also see this a lot with, again, new business, people who are new in business. Like if they're not, they're like, I'm going to post every single day on Instagram. And if they don't, they miss one day, they're like, well, I'm not going to post the rest of the month. And I'm like, well, wouldn't it be better for you to post twice a week consistently than it is to post seven days and then zero or not at all? And you see that all of the time. I feel like that is just every, I feel like so many people now that I feel like I'm on the other side of it, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe being where perpetual life fuck up has really helped me that I've just like, <laughs> been living in the messy middle since day one. Um, and that's not even self-deprecating. It's just like I have messed up a lot really early on and I realized that. And I was like, oh, nothing happens. You didn't die. Cool. Yeah. Let's keep going. Um, and so I don't know when I, I gathered that information, but I did. But – for those who are, you know, on the other side, I feel like it can seem really impossible, but I love that though, because it's like, I love the idea of an imperfection challenge because even if people aren't perfectionists, they do tend to have that black and white on and off all or nothing. I mean, that's yeah. everyone all the time. Right. And I, and I feel like I'm constantly reminding people, I'm like, doing half of your workout is better than doing none of your workout. Like I yeah. always say with people like your body doesn't know what your workout was supposed to be, but if you right. sit on the couch, it knows that you sat on the couch. Right. right. Like these things are not all or nothing or like sometimes it is a matter of being just accountable and like being like, oh, well, I can do this because I'm just psyching myself out for this or like, hey, how can I modify? How can I adjust? So I love that idea of an imperfection challenge because you never hear that, right? You never hear about actually challenging yourself to live in a not extreme. Yeah. And so many people do that. I think that's so many people with fitness and everything. They just, they literally, they catapult into fucking nation. It's like they're walking on a balance beam and a rock lands and they just fling right back like they're like oh it's useless so I love that and the thing with that too is that I mean I know we've talked about this is like I I was a high achieving PhD student I had something published within the first two years like I did well in all my classes I talked a lot like and I generally appeared as if I had my shit together all four years mm-hmm. I did not I went through like something very very difficult my first year of my PhD and nobody knew about that so they yeah. just like didn't right ask questions but people would ask me all the time and I know that they have asked you and they have asked many of my friends who are also like quote-unquote high achievers is like how do you do it all and it's like well my least favorite words <laughs> in the universe yeah. continue but it's like I I I'm okay with doing shitty things Like, I'm okay with sometimes doing bad things. Like, that's how I do it all is I don't have perfection in a day. I just, like, put my efforts where it matters in that Mm -hmm. particular moment. And people ask me all the time about, like, 
productivity tips, and that's my number one productivity tip, is like just okay with just get okay with doing worse work. Because sometimes in order to get things done efficiently, you just need to do it bad. And then you can go back and fix it, but that's often faster than like sitting in this place of paralysis where you're like, I have to do this whole thing A plus perfectly every time. And that's not realistic. And no, I I completely agree because that and one, people don't see that one, you spend your time doing a, one thing really well for a little bit and you're dialing down all the others. Like people think that like, like, okay, well, you're getting a PhD and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're doing that. So they, they identify you as all of those things at once. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I'm an ultra marathoner, but right now I'm not training for a race because I can't handle training for a race. That doesn't yeah. mean that I'm not still an ultra marathon runner, but right now I'm not ultra marathon training. There's a difference, right? Because yeah. I literally cannot handle that in this chapter of life. That doesn't mean that I automatically go to like, well, I'm a fucking shitty runner and I'm the worst ever and I'm a piece of shit. Well, it's like, no, but I know that later I'll go back to that. But like, that's exactly that. And like, even when it comes to like, I mean, grad school again is a great example because it's like, how many shitty drafts do you just finish? Like you're like, yeah. you're like, this is the best that's going to come out of my brain right now. I cannot, because it. Grad school is just always working at your own personal limit, which is shitty, right? Yeah. Until you graduate. And like, I mean, you're still probably not the best, right? (laughs) Give me hope. Um, But how many like drafts do you just send your PI? Because you're like, you know what? This is literally as good as it's going to get. And I have to get feedback before I can make it better. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I think so many people, they get in that trap of doing it perfect. I mean, I've redone my eBooks two or three times each, right? Yeah. But I got them out there when I first started my business. And that's what allowed me to grow really fast, really quickly. Because if I was still sitting on that first copy of Endure from three years ago, well, what the hell would I be doing right now? You know what I mean? Like it just, I just, you just got to do it shitty. I love that. Like not saying like half-ass your work, but sometimes your best in the moment isn't going to be perfect. And that's really good. Right. I love it. I'm just like repeating what you said, but I just, (laughs) I I love echoing it and giving people context in who listen to the podcast that like they can tie these things to and be like, oh, because that's like just so fucking real. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, you're good. Um, And I think the other thing you mentioned there that is really important is feedback, right? So like when you actually do something, then you send it to your PI and then you get feedback on that thing. And I see so many people, particularly in behavior change, Mm -hmm. who want to like download a new app or get a new device or start a new program. And they want to start over and over and over again, instead of like, being honest and getting feedback and like, whether that's through a coach or whether that's through just like tracking your own behavior mm-hmm. on what's going well and what's not going well. So I have a spreadsheet where I track the like things that I'm working on and that only that spreadsheet only works because I am equally willing to say, I did not do this today, even though I wanted to, as I am to say, I did do this today. Like mm-hmm. congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I don't track it, but I do, I mean, I always have, I feel like I've been trying to change behaviors and habits. We kind of talked about this before the podcast and I feel like it ends up like the one thing that I, I really approached and I don't know if there's any data to this was like me pivoting into another question is like people really try to change these things really rapidly. And I feel like some of the behaviors I tried to start changing in college that I recognized in myself that I didn't like, or like there was traits or behaviors of people that I, I, I admired and I was like, okay, like that's a trait that I would really, or behavior or whatever you want to call it, that I would yeah. love to emulate. And like, I feel like some of those things have taken me years, but yeah. I constantly for years kept like rerouting and repivoting. And now sometimes I'll look back and be like, oh, that's not something that I want to be anymore. That's really just 
who I am, but it was like a decision I made at like 20 to yeah. make that behavior change. Now I'm 28 and like I'm known for that, but I was not always that way. And so can you talk to like what's an actual realistic timeline for these things for people? Because I do think that like we talked about this a little bit and we can pivot into the question I was going to actually ask you after this, but like the 75 hard or like the 21 day fix or the whole 30 or like everything is a number, right? Yeah. Because that's like, and then you're fixed. You did this for this amount of days and you're fixed. This is like why I never got into doing challenges either in my in my business because I don't like that like, well, this is just that period of time and everything will be fixed after. Right. And it's and it's it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's important, like, so to answer your question, there is definitely science behind the idea that like we need our behaviors to be smaller and easier and more doable than we think they need to be in order to change, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where you get like your tiny habits crowd of like do one push up after you pee every time and that'll be like a gateway to help you get strong, right? So that's where you get the like breakdown from, okay, this is the goal you want. How do you get all the way down into the like tiny daily action level? And I think that's great and that's super valuable. But I think what that misses is that there is no time frame of like, work on this behavior for X amount of time, and then you will do it forever. There is no such thing as that because there always will be life that fluctuates up and down. And so my favorite thing to say is just like, you did until you did it. Like I always drink coffee in the morning until one day I skipped it and I didn't have a crisis about my lack of coffee drinking in the morning. Like I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm such a changed person because I didn't drink coffee today. Like it wasn't this huge thing because I did it until I didn't. And so like, yes, we can start to focus on consistency, but we can also, and we need to think about like, okay, I'm going to work on a behavior. If there's a behavior I want to do, that's fine. But it is always going to be something I either do or don't do. Like, even if I do it really well for a really long time, like I do it really consistently for several months, then maybe there's going to be a month where I don't do it as consistently. So like, for example, I was incredibly consistent with workouts from like November of 2019 through like May of 2020, which is surprising to some people because that's like right when the pandemic started, but I had a great situation. I had CrossFit equipment on my balcony I did my workout with my roommates every day. It was the most consistent I've ever been in terms of fitness because I had never, I didn't have anything else to do. Um, but then, and even before that, like for the roughly like two years before that, I don't think there had been many weeks where I didn't go to the gym at least three times. And I would have thought in my head or people would think like, oh, if you go to the gym for like three years consistently, three days a week, then you're always going to go to the gym on three days a week forever. And that's just not true because I went through a period where I had some vacations I went on. I had some weird moving situations I went through and I like basically went to the gym like twice in a period of like six months. And so it's not, it's not like a, you work on a behavior for X amount of time and then it's solved. It's always going to be, um, I'm either going to do this behavior or I'm not today. And I have to navigate that on a one-to-one -one basis. Yeah. And I noticed that too, like 
people think that like they they view you as an identity of what they see you like you're someone that's consistent in the gym but you can tell like there's periods of life where that this that choice to make that behavior is effortless yeah and then life changes and then all of a sudden you're like oh shit I have been consciously deciding to do this this whole time I just is in a situation where like it didn't have to be as difficult to choose that yeah um like literally today before the podcast I could have just said screw it I'm not going to do my workout at all because I don't have time for this instead I was like well I'll just adjust to make it work kind of yeah. thing but I had to make that decision where like the last few days it was like okay like I'm just going to go and so I think people give beat themselves up a lot when life situation changes because they because they had a behavior and now it takes effort to have that behavior or it goes away and then they just I do you, I do you feel like people just like accept that as like, that's it. That's it. I'm done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm no longer someone who exercises. I'm no longer someone who eats well. I'm no longer someone who yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Well, it is like an identity threat in that way. Like if you do something consistently and then all of a sudden you haven't done it, you start to like, it starts to threaten your idea as like, of like, I'm a person who does X. Right. But I think where people also mess up is that they get in a situation and they think, I don't want to do X. I don't want to drink my protein shake today. I don't want to go to bed. And because their brain sends them the thought, I don't want to, then they panic. And they're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this today. And so I'm not going to get my, I'm not going to be able to get myself to do it. And so I'm not going to go to the gym. And so my streak is going to be ruined. And that creates so much drama and mental upheaval in your brain that then your self-regulation shot and you're definitely not going to go to the gym. Right. So people get fixated on this idea of like not wanting to do something and that being a problem. And let me tell you, like there have been hundreds, millions of things in my life that I didn't want to do and I did them and it was okay. Like, and I'm sure everyone listening to this can list numerous things that they did not want to do that they ended up doing. So it's always shocking to me when people frame that as like a really problematic thing. It's like, I never want to go to the gym. Okay, well, that's okay. I think people assume that everyone who does things always wants to do it. Yes. And it's like, I, I, and it's almost like, I feel like I'm, I'm a fraud or I'm making it up when I tell people how often I like don't want to go to the gym or I don't want to do my lift or I'm unmotivated or like the last bit of ultra training is always so hard. You don't want to run ever. You, you just, you don't want to do it. And so people assume when you're doing these big impressive things that like, you're like, well, you just want to do it all the time. And I'm like, no, the people who are consistently doing those things actually want to do those things the least because they have to make that choice way more often. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't even count on one hand how many times I can like, well, yeah, I only have five fingers, but like there's (laughs) countless times. Like I can't even tell you how many times in the last six months that I've had to like rationalize with myself. Okay. Well, I'll cut this here. I'll skip this here. And yeah. then I end up doing the whole workout because it's because you would just eventually do it. But I'm like, I don't want to do this today. I don't want to do this today. But like, I don't get mad at myself for not wanting to do it. I've just accepted that I usually don't want to work out, but I somehow end up doing it anyway. But yes. then I'm glad because then again, I'm sure that ties into some of that science that I only am roughly familiar with. Like, if you identify as something or you value something, you will continue to do it even when you like don't really want to do it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it is a cycle too, because you have to engage in a behavior a while before it becomes an identity. And then when it is an identity, it sometimes is going to be easier to do that behavior because it's more closely tied in with who you are. Now, like this is a practical tip. 
one of the ways you can really like shortcut that process is to start intentionally adopting that identity even before it feels like right or like it's fully you, right? So going back to the Instagram thing, like what I chose to do when I started my Instagram or like when I really started working at it in October was I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pretend that I have 10,000 followers and I'm going to show up on my story every day because if I had 10,000 followers, I would be the kind of person who was on her story every day. And so I like grabbed that identity, hooked myself to it and used it to climb up the ladder of behaviors of getting past the, I'm anxious about posting today. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can do the same thing. Like I hear people like this and I'm sure you hear this all the time with like, I'm not a like, quote unquote runner, right? Oh, yeah. if, if you're if you're trying to run, it does not benefit you to say to yourself every day, oh, I want to run, but I'm not a runner. Like it's that's not <laughs> running. I mean people have that with like general fitness, but I feel like people like can they can engage in weight training without needing to identify as a weightlifter. Like yes. that's an option, right? Like you can you can resistance train without being an Olympic weightlifter or a powerlifter or a bodybuilder. So yeah. like there's that option. But I feel like people think with running, you must be a runner to run. And I'm like, there's not this big, crazy identity shift where suddenly, like, (laughs) you're anything different than who you were. You are just now someone who runs. Right. And that's it. Period. But there's that huge mental barrier with people (laughs) with identifying as that. Like, they think that you have to be Shailene Flanagan in order to identify as a runner, right? Right. And that's what I always ask people is, like, okay, if you don't think you're X identity, like, what are – what is the arbitrary like criteria that you're using to determine like how many miles does it take to be a runner? Like when you get to your 17th mile that you've ran, are you a runner or do you have to go to 28 or do you have to run a certain race or do you have to like, everybody has these arbitrary standards in their head of Mm -hmm. what they have to do in order to be X in order to have X identity. And if you want that identity, what you really need to do is just decide you're going to have it and start questioning your arbitrary standards of like, oh, like, is that really true? Right. That's a, that's the best question I tell people in behavior change to like ask yourself whenever your brain is throwing a thought at you, whenever something comes up in your mind, just think to yourself, is that really true? And then that will start some critical thinking that will hopefully help you through the process. Yeah, and I wanted to touch on this earlier with the one thing you said earlier, but it fix, fits into this, like the fixed versus growth mindset and yeah. like how those things are not like isolated because I feel like most people would like – again, I use myself as an example a lot. I do this with teaching because it's always just easier to reference yourself versus calling someone else out. But I had a moment last year when I was preparing for comps and my comps got extended from, my, from, the, from the pandemic. So I ended up having to study twice and writing my manuscript during lockdown. And I never really ended up publishing the data for my first paper. I don't know if we will or not. So like, I kind of like felt like I just had this lull and like, I live with Regis, who's like the most productive grad student on God's green earth. And he's published a lot and he's very good at research. And like, I'm really good at a lot of things and I was able to do this, but like comps, I broke down afterwards to my PI for like an hour. Yeah. And I was like crying about all these things that I was like harboring in myself for this whole process. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I know, like, and I listed all the things that I knew that I was good at. I was like, I'm great at coming up with ideas and I'm very well read. And like, I am really good at like coming up with research design and implementing it and like testing and like teaching and everything else, except for the part of being a scientist where you like publish and communicate your science and data. I didn't have that. Right. And so comms was really hard for me because it was like, I was going through this whole thing thinking it was a fraud. 
You know what yeah. I mean? The whole time. Yeah. And Dr. Jenkins looked at me. He's like, sounds like you have a fixed mindset. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not someone who has a fixed mindset. But I did, right? Because yeah. in every other area of my life, like I'm training for 100K. I, my business doubled in six months what it was the year before. Like yeah. on every other standard in my life, like I was someone who was the epitome of a growth mindset. But I wasn't. In that area, I was like, shit. And then actually just him acknowledging to me that I had a fixed mindset. I was like, of course, I'm starving. I'm like, no, 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 I don't. So I immediately went to fix it because I was like, I am not someone with a fixed mindset. But like, I, I knew that that was what it was because he literally did ask me. He was like, well, what would change that view of yourself? Like, what's right. the arbitrary standard of which that view that you have of yourself will change? And I was like, well, I just need one good draft. He's like, okay, then just write one good draft. You know what yeah. I mean? And like, then literally the next draft I sent him was like the best draft I've sent him ever. I just needed to like be called on on my own shit and recognize it and like be like, oh, well, it's just my mental. And so then now when I have those thoughts, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, again, I love that approach of like asking yourself. I share this to like wrap back to this. Like, I love that approach of like, well, what's your arbitrary standard Yeah. of what you deem is like when you get to be this thing? You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, am I a scientist now? When will I be? What makes a scientist? Like, why is it only this one arbitrary thing that makes you a scientist? And I think a lot of, you know, grad students go through that. But you have the same thing with runners, people who are in fitness, like everything. Like, they just don't. Like, well, I do this one thing, but I'm not that. Right. Like, well, well, how, like, okay. But, like, where is that line being drawn at? Right. Well, and I think, like, tied right to that is kind of minimizing your own identity, in Mm -hmm. that or like hiding your own identity so like one thing I see a lot is people are really shy like when they start to like eat more protein or they're like trying to eat healthier they don't want to tell anybody about it Mm -hmm. and they'll like minimize it they'll be like oh yeah like I'm trying to I'm trying to eat a little healthier they downplay everything they're doing right or I hear from like people in people on Instagram all the time randomly message me and ask me about like business things I don't know why, because I, <laughs> I, I'm really new at this guys. Like this has not been around, but for a you're long embodying time. the personality of someone who is more successful than you are. Right. And not so to say you're not successful, me. but you're no, but like, it's, it's very, like, I didn't have a business until October. Um, so we're not even at the year mark here. Um, and they always call themselves, they're like, Oh, I'm a baby business owner. And I used to call myself that too. And I was like, wait a second. Like, I don't need to call myself a baby. I don't need to think that like, oh, like I'm trying or I'm working on like, just like grab the freaking bull by the horns and call yourself a runner. Like you're not learning to be a runner. You're not trying to be a runner. You're not working on being a runner. You're a runner. If you ran, did you run today? I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe you didn't. You can be a runner anyway. Like I still consider myself a runner and the half marathon that I did was in 2016. So like, it's fine. But that's huge though. And I think that too, like even like, I struggled this even when I first started trail running. Like if I took a year off racing as at the beginning of trail running, I would have never identified myself as a runner. And now I'm like, well, yeah, I'm still a trail runner. Like, Okay. Yeah. And I, I know I, I love that because I think like the baby biz coaches and people, no, people do this too. When I post something, they'll downplay them. I, I, I hear you and I see you because I reply to everything. They downplay themselves in my comments. They're like, well, I only ran like 20 minutes today. And I'm like, okay, cool. Or they're like, oh, I, I'm only like working on this. So I'm not like, I'm not there yet. And I'm like, 
no, no, no. I literally will call people out. Like yeah. they'll down talk their body or their performance or their accolades or whatever they're doing in my comments. And I'm like, no, 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 There is no, there's none of that here on my comment section. I'll, so if you do it to me, I will call you out. I will be like, no, 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 no. We're not going to trash talk our thighs or our pace in my comment section. We're going to celebrate ourselves right now. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Like I call people out on it because they like, because it feels safe, right? Because I think it's a lot. I don't know if there's data to this, but I feel like it's a lot easier to fail when you're not like when you're less confident and less owning of what you do, but you're also like, it's like that risk reward. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you really blindly believe in what you're doing in yourself when you identify with it. Like, yeah, you're going to go further faster, but also if you fail, like it is a lot harder to like face. And so, yeah, no, people do that all the time. And I love that you brought that up because it is that like, cause then you, you have to, you're changing your own identity, but other people around you, like you're like kind of nervous for them to also shift that because people do get backlash for it yeah yeah for sure for sure the messy middle podcast will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors are you confused about what supplements you should actually be taking in a world full of juice cleanses detox teas fancy promises it can really be hard to trust anything but high quality supplements when dosed appropriately can actually help support your fitness goals and that's why i use legion I've been using Legion supplements since the beginning of this year, and after years of never really fully committing to one single brand due to lack of transparency in their labeling, unnecessary fluff, or just reporting things as blends and not knowing what's actually my product, I finally found a solid science-based product line that fits my supplementing needs. Legion's products are 100% naturally sweetened, and my favorite part, they are fully transparent in their labeling, and they use dosages that are actually backed with what the science says you need to be effective and support your fitness goals. And not the least amount you can get away with, and not just labeling as blends, but fully transparently telling you what's in your product and why they dosed it that way. And this is huge, because it lets you know exactly what you're taking and if it's actually going to be effective, and then you can know what's going into your body. My personal favorites are their cinnamon cereal whey. Yes, it tastes as good as it sounds. The mocha cappuccino plant protein. Pulse, their pre-workout, which comes in non-stimulant or caffeinated stimulant based. And Recharge, the recovery blend, which also gives me the creatine I need to move weights well in the gym. Legion offers 100% money back guaranteed if you're not happy with their products. And you can save 20% off your first order today with our code MESSYMIDDLE at checkout. That's M-E-S-S-Y. M-I-D-D-L-E at checkout to save 20% today. <sighs> okay. So we like went all over the place with this, but we did. something when it comes though to behavior change in black and white, and mm-hmm. we ranted about this before that I really, really love though, is this difference. And you kind of said this very perfectly, compassion culture and grind culture. And this grinds my gears. We ranted about this before <laughs> about how like, People either want to be like very all out intense or like bubble baths and self-care only. And I think that like self-care sometimes is self-accountability, but then also self-grace. And that's where those two things fall in the middle. Like the one extreme we have the like no rest days, no days off, like sleep when you're dead kind of thing. And then you have the like literally never do anything that's ever uncomfortable. But when you scooch that spectrum into that gray, it actually is a ping pong between I call self-grace and self-accountability. And I feel like that's where the magic actually happens because it's showing up and doing the damn thing but also like not like you kind of said earlier like accepting those thoughts but giving yourself grace when things aren't always perfect so can you talk about that yes yes so I I think one of the issues that I see is that people want to improve something about themselves and so they like tiptoe into self-improvement culture and when they get into that little pool the first thing 
they're sent to is like the like Dave Ramsey's of the world. So like Dave Ramsey and um, what's the guy who does like getting things done? David Allen, like all of these like hardcore like David s- Goggins. Why are these guys all Dave? Yeah, what is uh, the, the, because they're all Daves. Like they're all. They're da- all is this a personality? I the think Daves. It's, it probably is. It probably it's like the like you need to suffer in order to succeed. Just get it better like do harder faster stronger it's like the like toxic masculinity half of self-help right and so they they engage in that and then when that goes wrong when they can't follow the their perfect productivity system when they fail out of 75 hard when they you know when whatever happens then the the like accept everything crowd is ready and waiting to be like, you know what? Nothing is wrong with you. Something is wrong with having standards. Like, and so, yeah, but you're like bad for calling that out. Like it's cool to call out like the Dave's, but like heaven forbid you say, maybe there is something that we can improve on. That doesn't mean you as a human that you suck and you should not exist. Right. Right? Like, I feel like there's no room, and I hate that because there's no room for saying, well, no, I kind of suck at this, and this part about me really sucks. Or, like, this trait or this habit or this choice is probably not great. But you're right. Like, they come and catch them with, like, with big, large, like, catcher's mitts, and they're like, everyone else is wrong, and there's nothing wrong with anyone. Everyone is perfect, which can't be true, right? Right. Like, that, that that conceptually cannot exist in the universe. Right. And then it's, like, total acceptance total, like whatever you want to do all the time. And you sit there for a while and you're like, this is nice. But then you're like, Oh, but like, I kind of like do want to grow and I kind of do want to change. And I kind of do want to improve something about myself. And right now, and one of the reasons that I actually like started my business was because I didn't feel like in, in the behavior change world, there was anyone in the middle who says, here's how to take self-compassion and use it in a way that helps you push yourself to where you want to be. And so like, that's where, that's where I try to be as a human. And I think like one of the biggest areas where I see this, and I'm bringing this up because I am right smack in the middle of this like mental dilemma right now, but is like the, you need to have the perfect body versus like, you can't change your body without being a bad person. Black no, and I think so many people resonate with that and they're afraid to say it Yeah, because you're not allowed. I mean, it's to the point where I, I secretly removed my macro templates off my website because I don't want to deal with it anymore. And I didn't address yeah. it and I didn't announce it because I was like, I cannot, even as a coach, face this in this industry because it's so vicious for anyone who does anything that is even managing, tracking, self-awareness, self-improvement yeah. that yeah. it's like, it, it feels, I can't even imagine how consumers feel. You know what I mean? Because it's such a, like, it's a tug of war of what they're being told to do. You must look look perfect, but you must, like, walk in the kitchen with your eyes closed, grab three snacks, and leave. Right. Like, that's that's the options that they have. Right. Exactly. And, like, that's – so, like, I had to do this, like, actual, like, Instagram live coupled with a full post. It was literally, like, this process of, like – literally like almost like outing myself. I don't want to compare it to that because it's not a comparison, but like Mm -hmm. I literally had to admit to the world that I was going to track my macros 
because like I, I really don't tell anyone either heaven forbid right. I tell people that I monitor my food intake right because like I'm not the, I don't tell I don't talk about it on my page yeah it's because it's bad you, right because it's like that means that you hate yourself and that means that you hate your body and versus or like so there's there's these two like super polarized ends and like I have just reached a point where like I actually told my coach on Monday of this week, I was like, listen, I think this is getting to me. Cause all of last week, I just couldn't hit my macros and couldn't hit my macros and couldn't hit my macros. And when that happens, instead of like judging myself for it and getting super angry and beat beating myself up, I know from a behavior change perspective that I really need to get curious and I really need to get interested into like why. Cause I know like I have the skills, I have the tangible skills needed to hit my macros every single day if I wanted to. But I didn't. I was all over the place. And I was like, hmm, why is this happening? And I realized it was because I was having an existential crisis about the fact that I'm trying to do body recomposition and that I'm using macros to do that. And I am trying to gain muscle. And at some point, I may try to lose weight. And like even saying that right now is like giving me heart palpitations because of where I am in this industry. And that is messed up, I think, because you are totally capable. My like number one like argument in support of that is like, I have body autonomy and I have life autonomy. If I want to strive towards a goal, I have every right to do that no matter what that goal is. But it's also the assumption too, that like ever using a tool itself is automatically bad because I track my food, but I actually don't hit targets. I track for protein and carbohydrate awareness because of my performance. Because if I don't, I will eat 150 grams of fat, vomit on a run and (laughs) bulk. Cause that's what happens to me. And granted, like, honestly, like today I'm really stressed and busy. So I'm like about to travel and I didn't even track last week. I tracked yesterday and the day before. And today I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just, it's just, it's not worth my time today. It's not that big of a deal. Like I'll just be more aware of what I'm putting in my face, but I know I can do that. And it's kind of that awareness where I'm like, okay, technically I'm failing on this habit, but I'm not because I'm just, I'm okay with that today. That's not going to be a thing that I do. And I think that's where people miss it with that conversation where I'm like, and I'm probably not, I'm not going to track for my entire 10 day trip. and like, that's fine. Like, I'm not worried about it. I don't use it as a tool to like restrict and manipulate. I'm like, okay, like, did I put enough glucose into my organs (laughs) today? Like, (laughs) like, cause if not, like it really affects me as a human, but I have a really hard time quantifying that. But it's the assumption that that tool by itself is always being used for bad. right? Right. Like we use a lot of tools that don't have to necessarily be like you'd use a habit tracker. Right. And that could be really good or really bad. Right. Right. But like self-monitoring in itself isn't always automatically a bad thing, but it does assume too that like, and it makes people feel bad if they ever want to change anything about themselves, that they're bad for doing so. And like, I don't know if you can talk to like the mindset around like valuing yourself and loving yourself and having self-compassion while also seeking change, because I feel like we, we allow ourselves to do that with everything else in our life except for our bodies. But when it comes to our habits and behavior change, like there's a lot of things that I really love about myself, but there's also a lot of things that like I've improved on over the years that I didn't really think were great. And I think all people yeah. can relate to that. So can you maybe talk about that parallel between like mindset and like behavior change and maybe how that like trickles in incorrectly into like that space yeah. with fitness and nutrition? I, I don't know if that's like I mean, it's kind of overlapping your both worlds, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it totally does. So I think of it a little bit as like a comparative to interior design, which like, I don't know anything about interior design, but I have played a lot of Sims 3. And (laughs) in Sims 3, like you can, you have this blank template of a room and you can decorate it however you want. 
right? And maybe you decorate it one way and you're like, hmm, this is one way I could decorate it. And then you're like, no, I'm going to change some things. And then you change the things and then it's decorated in a new way. At no point are you ever like, this room sucks so bad. I was the worst person for decorating the room this way. Why did I ever do that? Like horrible, horrible me. You can, you can love something and want to change it. Right. And even if you can't get to love, you can accept and be neutral about something like your body and want to change it. Right. So like there is a version of me who has way more muscle than I currently do. And I would like to get there. That is a destination (laughs) I would like to get to at some point, like at some time, maybe within the next year, I would like to fly to that destination. Right. But I'm not sitting here being like, ugh, like I am so yucky. I look like a noodle. Like that's not, those are not the thoughts that are in my brain because I can accept and understand that I still have value regardless of whether I'm in this state or that state. So I think like the first thing that people need to do when they want to make a change is they want to look at the values that are causing that desire. So Mm -hmm. I see this all the time. Um, I'm building right now. It comes out like next week sometime, I think. Um, I'm building this course on mornings because mornings I feel like have been co-opted by like I I honestly I'd call it like white man mornings because in every like mornings <laughs> book there's like because if you don't have a Tim Ferriss morning then you're a failure yes and it's always like white male CEOs so this is going to be the only course the only mornings course available that will never tell you the morning r- rituals of any white male CEOs I will not talk about that at all that's my promise to you Um, but (laughs) people like get caught up because they're like, oh, waking up at 5am is better. Right. So they're like, I want to wake up in the morning. I want to wake up at 5am because I'll be better when I wake up at 5am. That value of like, I am a better human. If I do this behavior that makes you feel terrible about where you are right now, because you're like, oh, if good equals there, then here must equal bad. But if you're like, oh, the advantages to right now waking up at 9am is I get to sleep in more and I get to see my boyfriend later at night and I get to, um, I don't know, whatever it is. And the advantages of 5am are I would like to have more time in the mornings to work out, or I would like to have more time to myself or whatever, whatever. There are advantages and disadvantages of both places and you're taking a journey from A to B. You're not like driven by B because you will somehow be this better person when you get there. Yeah. No, I, I like that approach too. And man, I love the morning thing because, because people, I mean, I get asked all the time if I have a morning routine and I'm like, I just get up and rip the bandaid on the day. <laughs> that's how I work as a person. Like yeah. I, I function really well that way and I don't. But for a really long time, I was like, I'm a really bad person because I don't get up and sit my coffee slow and read and meditate and journal. And that's just not, that's just not me. I'm not, I don't, I don't function that way. Like I have my, I mean, I'm not saying those things are bad, but for me, I'm like, that's, that's not enjoyable for me to start my morning that way. Like I love winding down at night and reading before I go to bed. I really value that. I make time for that. Like I've, and I fell off my behavior for like two weeks and I started putting my phone back in the other room and reading at night again because I was like, okay, like 
I kind of have the time and space for this again. And I really like that. But like, if I try to read in the morning, every morning, I would hate it. Because all yeah. I would be thinking about is the 75 things that I want to get to right away. Right. Like, and it's like, I do things where it's like, if I have busier days, I'm like, okay, we're not going to check our DMs until later in the day. That's right. fine. But like, I felt like the biggest failure for the longest time because I identified being successful with having those certain types of mornings. And I'm like, well, listen, you're pretty successful and you don't live your mornings this way. So right. like, it like, literally, it's like an arbitrary, like, I always like to make comparisons to show people how nonsensical things are. Imagine if you, if there was a large pop culture movement to have a 3 p.m. routine where every day at 3 p.m. you did the exact same thing. Like that seems ridiculous to all of us, but that's literally what we're asking of people with their, so if you want to have, I, in the course I'm calling it like your signature morning experience because your experience can be not having a routine. Like it can be having an hour to do whatever the fuck you want to do as soon as you wake up. That's an experience, not a routine. So that's why I'm, I'm shifting towards that because I think the idea of a routine gets people so uppity in their brains about X and Y and Z and habit and Q and blah, 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 all connected together. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And it's like, no, just like figure out what you want out of your mornings and figure out what behaviors get you there. And then where yeah. are you those behaviors? And I also think too, it's like helpful to like not have this expectation. Like my day will be shit if I didn't do this. Right. Like automatically or like, and I, I feel like maybe this is grad school people who work like a normal routine job where they do like the same thing Monday through Friday. You might not be able to relate to this, but for grad school, like I feel like I have some weeks or months or periods of time where like I have to be really rigorous about that first initial part of my day and what I'm doing. But then the rest of the time I'm pretty lax on myself. Like I I periodize my intensity in my life, which is like kind of how I approach fitness in my life. But like right now it's like I wake up and I get my coffee and I sit at my desk and I reply to all my emails and messages and everything that I can get out of the way. But I don't have a big task at hand. But when I have like a massive task at hand, I'm like, okay, 6 a.m. in a coffee shop. I haven't looked at my phone. I haven't looked at my email. I'm writing. But like I make that choice on those days of like, okay, like this is what I have to do. But I don't value myself as better or worse. And they both work, right? They both serve their purpose in that period of time. So I like that as like a ritual and like an experience rather than like what pop culture tells us that we must do. The arbitrary, like I'm going to – meditate for exactly seven minutes and then take a three minute cold shower and then do six push-ups and then drink a green and it juice. just I don't know I've always viewed that stuff as so silly and Kate talks about that in some of the earlier episodes about like what actually like mindfulness is because I don't meditate people can tell me that I'm broken I tried it like when my anxiety was really bad during lockdown a few times but like I get the same benefit out of that from other different things that I do and I know yeah. that but according to the self-help industry you're broken you're bad. Right. Like you don't function normal rather than saying, well, you know yourself best and you know how, like what you need to function as a human optimally in your day. Right. Kind yeah. of thing. And so, no, I love that. I like that you're making a whole course on morning routines. That's fabulous. That's actually, <laughs> well, people, it was one of those things where it came up in my DMS and in questions so often that I was like, okay, well now I have all the information for my course. So I guess I can build it because I already have thousands of DM replies to people. Um, so you, you know, you can get to the point in your business one day where you pay someone to transcribe all of your <laughs> Q and A's for you. Cause I do that. 
all my Q&As on my story, I, I pay someone to freaking transcribe them for me because no one asks questions in my submission box, but they always do in my stories. And I'm like, someone last week, they were like, why do you still do Q&As? Like, I feel like you don't need to do that for your business anymore. I'm like, it's the only way people talk to me. <laughs> like, it's the, I will, I could put up a Google sheet and no one will reply to it. But if you put a Q&A box up, like everyone wants to reply to it. So on that note then, because like self-help, yeah, morning routines, mindset. So what are some of the myths then that we see? Like, cause I feel like conventional, I, I don't think I consume enough of this to get annoyed with it. Cause I refuse to follow people like this. Cause they make me want to vomit in my mouth. Like yep. the, the cliche mindset coaches who probably are selling these prepackaged, very, very annoying morning routines, or like, this is what you have to do to be successful. And like, this is just think positive, good vibes only kind of thing. And literally all the stuff that makes me want to, to, to like stab my eyes out. So yes. can you talk about the actual myths though, besides <laughs> my just general annoyance of like what they do and what they're telling people versus like what actual behavior change looks like? Yes. So uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things here. One mindset theory is a very specific thing. It is a scientifically studied concept with a clear definition However, because it has, you know, penetrated the pop culture sphere, people want to say they want to throw around the terms growth mindset and fixed mindset without actually knowing what those things mean. And when people so let me talk about what I do and what I don't have a problem with. I really don't have a problem with people being like, I can help you with your mindset because Mindset is a term we use to like generally describe how you're thinking about things. That's totally fine. If you want to help people with their mindset, I guess that you can do that. (laughs) The problem is that there is an entire field of study dedicated to making people experts at helping them on their general mindset. And that field of study is called psychology. And people get master's degrees to be clinical therapists, what? right? You're and- ridiculous. Get out of here. <laughs> so, like, I realize that therapy is inaccessible for some people, but a lot of people are, I see, come to my content about mindset and come to more generalized content about my te- mindset when what they need to do is they need to go to therapy, right? Yeah. So and they're going to coaches who need to go to, and they need to go to therapy, but coaches sometimes are so desperate for clients or they're right. just too confident in themselves that they're not willing to say, Hey, this isn't a me thing. This is a, this is therapy. Right. And I have several times either stopped coaching relationships or told people I would no longer coach them unless they were going to therapy concurrently with my coaching services. Because I know that what I do as a behavior change expert is very close to therapy, but is very different in many ways. And so what some of the myths are that these coaches like perpetuate is one, that it is all about your thoughts, right? That there is nothing else in the world that matters besides the way you think about things. And that goes into like, the magical manifesting stuff, which like, I'll admit, I'm a little bit, I got a little bit of like a woo-woo spiritual side. So I'm not going to sit here and like knock that up and down. What I will say is that it is a vehicle for manipulative people 
to target people in situations that are outside of their control, right? So when you talk about people who are stuck in really shitty life situations and maybe they have issues they need to go to therapy for, maybe there are like structural reasons why they cannot do certain things. Like we're, I'm talking about like racism, ableism, like that, those kind of like very, very deep societal issues that are influencing these people. There's a group of coaches on the internet who like to say, I'm a mindset coach and it doesn't matter who you are or what your circumstance is. You can have whatever you want. And like, I think that is really harmful to the person who's being targeted because it's like people have real life circumstances and those real life circumstances have to be addressed. It's not all about mindset. So anyone who says like it is 100% mindset, they're wrong. (laughs) Like, cause there's just like life exists outside of that. Well, I think that even beyond mindset, fitness coaches do this all the time, right? We're like, if someone eats off their diet plan or falls, like fails and misses a workout or whatever, it's like, well, you're just weak and you don't have willpower and it's all in your head and just completely negating that people. And again, there's a fine line between do nothing. You must do nothing versus like, well, let's take practical approaches to make this effective within your circumstance and lifestyle. People just ignore that. It's the, it's the, you don't want it bad enough. You're not dedicated enough. (laughs) Like, yeah, like kind of crowd that you see in fitness and mindset coaches, which is also very like, I guess, I guess, I don't know if that's the right way to use it, but a very privileged way to teach people how to quote unquote, change their life. Yeah. It's extremely privileged and it's extremely predatory because these people who are being targeted tend to have less resources than other people. And so then the precious resources that they do have are being funneled into this like wackadoodle coach who's telling them that it's all going to be changed because of the way they think. Right. So that's like one issue that I have. Um, and then kind of along with that, the second issue is that people think it's all about behavior change, like, or it's all about mindset and none of it is about action. And they Mm -hmm. think that like, there's this mindset secret out there that somehow like you like think the right thing. I'm not sure how it happens exactly, but like there's a secret and the behavior change person or the mindset coach knows it. And once you click into that, once you learn how to think in that specific way, or you do that specific manifestation PDF, then you'll have 10K months and that's how it works. Like, boom, that's it. That's That's the secret. That's the secret. And they think too, like. Well, it's predatory too, because they always flash those, especially when they're business and mindset, they're always like, well, I can get you to 10K months. And you're like, well, maybe not everyone's business is going to reach that or not everyone wants that. And also you can be very successful below that, right? Yeah. And also like a lot of these people are charging 10K per client. So it's like, of course you can have a 10K month because you have to creep into a thousand DMs, get one person to answer you and say yes to you in a predatory way. And then you have your 10K month. So of course you can have a 10K month, but like, I don't know. I, I have a serious issue with all of that. So that's, that's the thing too, that people get caught in is that it's not about, it's somehow about like only thoughts or like finding the secret and not about taking like consistent, messy, 
semi shitty action and like just like working through the process of doing something over and over and over again and yeah I mean I I love that I get asked all the time about how everyone struggles with quote-unquote motivation and consistency and we do have a rant for consistency coming up um but I usually tell people that I'm like I mean obviously I'm not an expert this I'm like kind of you just need to take action because you learn so much more. You know what you need to do. You know what you need to ask. You know what's wrong. You take action. And I, I actually, I in my bulk post that I made a year ago that I never actually posted, I had one that was like messy action versus like what it, people think it is versus what it's not. And I always yeah. like the idea, like you have to take messy action. And at first, like the lower you are on that that totem pole, like if you're like a baby business coach or in Nuna Fitness where most everything works. So you just have to do something, right? But yeah. then you have to like take feedback and then reapply it to the next next messy action, but it's less messy because it's more directional. So it's like messy direction within that next one. And so like, I think so many people get stuck in the like do nothingness and they like, you just need to do something because one action propels other action. Cause then you'll learn, you'll start thinking or getting yeah. more creative or you figure out what's not working. But like, I don't know. Like, I feel like that seems so simple, but I like that science validates taking action. Cause I feel like that's where the goodness and yes. everything lies like doing well, something. Yeah. And that like kind of brings me into the third thing, which is that people in particularly in behavior change and they do this in all sorts of things, but it's gotten really bad in behavior change and mindset science lately is that they will take one single study they found about something from 2012 and then they'll make a whole post on it because they're a mindset coach and then they act like that's truth for everybody and like that's not first of all it is really hard really really hard to do good science when it comes to behavior change and psychology because unlike in like physiological sciences where there are standard measurements for things in psychology and communication and behavior change, there's, there aren't that. So like you measuring someone's happiness is probably just some grad student in a lab who made up seven questions about happiness and you're ranking them on a one to five Likert scale. So like it gets, it's really hard to have high quality studies about behavior change and what actually works. And particularly like the self-help crowd will write these long, like 12 chapter books. There's one or two cherry picked studies that are like explained in a full paragraph in each chapter of the book. And then you're like, oh yeah, science says that morning rituals are blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you don't get to just like co-opt the word science because you found one study that used the word mindset in it. Like mindset theory has major critiques from the ed psych community and unless you understand those critiques and you've read the meta-analyses which I had because I had to be tested on it like then you're not going to fully understand what you're saying when you read that one tiny study that has an effect size of 0.00006 so one this is good well one because of you and like kind of Kate and a little bit of Casey and just now that I'm more aware of people who are educated in this, I'm afraid to waste my time reading any self-help books anymore. <laughs> like I just won't read anything. Like, I, like, I mean, I bought one that I guess is kind of a self-help book this week. Um, but then some of them too, I think are overly cheesy and you're like, okay, I already figured this out in my life. Like, I guess people think this is a good book, but I'm like, I think I figured this out already. Um, but I'm like afraid to read anything, like waste <laughs> my time and money. Cause I'm like, now I'm so extra critical 
of all the science that I don't know. But two, this fits in really well. And for those are listeners that are content creators, and I know we're going to talk about that here in a second, but like someone asked me that when I did my consult yesterday and they were like, they have the PhD is in something more like physiology, heart, like benchtop science, but not exercise science, but they want to get into the field and they love fitness and they want to start doing it, but they wanted to meet with me, which I respect them to make sure they were doing it in a way that was like legal, responsible, appropriate. Great. Like you don't have to have a PhD in exercise physiology to talk about nutrition and exercise, but you should have some sort of like credibility. Right. And they asked me, they're like, cause they know how to read and interpret science. They're like, can I make posts where I'm sharing like a study? And I was like, well, I'd be careful because you might be able to read and interpret that one study, but you might not know the broader context of the methodology, what that means, how that's affected by different physiology, and like what the other data around it says. So like even on my own personal Instagram, you will almost never see me share one study unless yeah. I'm sharing it into context of a couple other studies or yes. I really do a lot of meta-analyses and reviews when I share yeah. them on my page because if we're talking to the broad public, that's the information that they – really need. I'll ne- I really just personally won't ever share one single study. I'll never make an infograph for one single study. There's people who do that, which if you understand the greater body of literature, that's great, but I'm always extra careful because of the way people interpret things. Like if you're yeah. reading an infograph of someone who only read an abstract, well, that's just going to get misapplied everywhere that you go. But that's the truth is like people take these little things out of a really tiny context and apply it in a way that you're like, okay, well, what was like the scale that they're actually using? How are they actually testing this? What's the method? And then like, what does everything else say around that? So I really like that for consumers and creators being aware yeah. of these limitations. Unfortunately, people are very scientifically illiterate, so they don't know. They're just like, well, science says. And you're like, well, science is a lot of things. But if you're citing a 2012 study that has been since changed in a 2019 <laughs> and meta-analysis, then like that science is no longer, quote, unquote, the truth. Yes. Well, and people say like science says, and then they don't cite it. They don't provide a citation. I'm like, if you're going to say science says, you have to tell me what says that. Um, And I like, I like this metaphor too. I explained it the other day um, as like, imagine that you have in like, so I live in Washington, DC. So imagine in Washington, DC, that a thousand thermometers appear in random places, okay? They appear outside, they appear in the shade, they appear in someone's house, like, okay, those are all the studies in the world, right? Mm -hmm. They're all at different places, they're all in different circumstances, right? A meta-analysis is the one that looks at like what temperature it actually is outside. So they look at the studies and they say, this thermometer is invalid because it's in somebody's freezer. So we know that's not a valid, like, Temp, like we know that that doesn't count, right? And yeah. they look at like, and they figure out what actually the temperature is. So you want to find those meta-analyses and you want to interpret them correctly, which is why like I, I have a post, I think it's tomorrow that it comes out, um, that literally says like, just because a PhD is an expert in one thing, it doesn't mean they're an expert in everything. And that's the problem I people, like I get this all the time. People are like, oh, you have a PhD. What do you feel about soy milk? And I'm like, yeah, soy milk is great for mindset. Like, I don't know, right? Like it's not a universal, like all knowledge. Like PhDs are meant to be specialized. They're not meant to be like, you're not an expert in everything just because no. you're an expert in one thing. And people are so true. I mean, it's like everyone, the 7,000 rehab questions I get asked a week. And I'm like, I'm not a rehab professional. It mm-hmm. would be completely ignorant for me. Now, like if my mom has something going on, I may be like, mom, you're just weak. This is what you need to do to fix it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to get sued by telling my mom that she should probably lift weights. Like, like yeah. you, it, it, there's so much risk that credible people can take that a lot of people who aren't as careful and cautious, they don't care because they're taking people's money. It's easy to take $10,000 from someone when you're scamming them because it doesn't matter. You, right. you have no, you need one payment and that's it from them. They don't need to have success, any of that. And so, yeah, they just capitalize and manipulate people from a way that's gross. Yeah. I, I, I understand your pain, but I apply it to different types of coaches. No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of garbage out there. Yeah. So with all this in mind, for people who have behaviors that they actually want to change or like, yes. which we've acknowledged, it's okay to want to change your behaviors. You're not a bad person for thinking that you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't think anyone of us here think we're perfect. So what are some of the easy ways that you can actually like recommend for our audience who want to change your behaviors? Like what does that actually look like? Maybe what these books and programs are getting wrong versus what actually like is effective, you know, mm-hmm. like what are the, what are the, the, the juice cleanses of the mindset world? Yeah. So, okay. So what is not effective is like 75 hard. <laughs> like I'm going to get shit for saying that, but what is not effective is like going... It's not you that will get shit. It's going to be my reviews. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, what is not effective is like going 100% balls to the wall, crazy on everything at once, right? So I think of it as a trade-off between... Um, you can think of it as like difficulty and number. So the numbers of behaviors you're trying to control at one time and the difficulty of those behaviors. So if you're trying to work out on a regular basis, those that's actually like a little bit more difficult, right? Because you have to, you might have to rearrange your schedule. You might have to like figure out where the gym is. You're going to have to interrupt your routine. Like psychologically, that's a little bit difficult. So you don't want to be working on a lot of things at one time, right? In general, you never want to be working on a lot of things at one time. Um, So think about the number of things you're trying to attack at once and really try to balance that out. So if you are going to do, you know, three or four things at once, which I don't recommend, my maximum that I would recommend working on is like three behaviors, then make sure you're making that really easy. Um, But like three, like really quick kind of concrete tips. One is figure out what your number one limiting factor is to doing that behavior that is within your control, right? So like, for example, if you are, if you're trying to go to the gym regularly and you hate your gym and that's like what is stopping you every time you're like oh I don't want to go to the gym like I hate I hate going there like all the bros are there like blah 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 then the limiting factor is to maybe perhaps find a new gym or work out at home or change something like that so Mm -hmm. figure out like put more energy into getting curious about what is drawing you away from that behavior rather than just like charging toward it and I like that because I think a lot of people automatically blame themselves yeah Yeah. Well, and like, I just have to say it again, for a ton of people, the limiting factor for consistency is mental health. Your limiting factor for why you can't be a consistent human is because your mental health is all over the place. Right. And that is an area where like, it's a great option to see a therapist. I like that you said that because I don't want to ever tell my followers, be like, you need therapy. Like, because it sounds, people get really offended when you tell them that. I mean, I need to go to therapy. 
I still yeah. haven't gone because it because it's the effort of finding a therapist isn't too inconvenient for me. And that's yeah. the truth. But I know that. But if someone says that to me, they're like, you need therapy. I'm like, I'm not like, oh, I'm a terrible, broken person. I'm like, yeah, I probably have some shit to work through. Like, right. You're probably and not it, wrong. Like, if it got to a point where like that was a serious like limiting factor for your goals, I'm sure you would go because I like I have seen enough of your life to know that when there is a limiting factor, you remove it. Yeah. And I'm in that. Yeah, exactly. But I, I have a hard time because you don't want to tell strangers that you don't actually know their life story. We're like, you're like, we well, probably just need. Yeah. You need, well, I will tell them. You're a trauma dumping in my DMs, and it sounds like you need therapy. <laughs> like, oh, I, I literally do this all the time. Yeah. I will yeah. tell people straight to their face that I don't think I'm right to work with you. I think you should go to a therapist. Yeah. Um, but that's the nature of where I'm at. Yes. So the, the number two thing is just, like, viewing your thoughts as optional. So the entire basis of cognitive behavioral therapy is – And this is a really simplified, super, super simplified Mm -hmm. conclusion here. But it's really about like awareness of your thoughts and intentionally using strategies to change your thoughts. And so one of the biggest shifts you can make in terms of your own pursuit of changing your behaviors is look at your thoughts around those behaviors. Take the example of, because I'm talking to people about this all the time right now, waking up in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, your brain says to you, I'm tired. I want to go back to sleep. I don't think we should get up right now. Our sleep was disturbed by a squirrel at 2 a.m. So we have to go back to bed. Your brain is going to feed you a thousand things, but they're all optional. And if you view them as just like words that pop up instead of part of the problem, then that's going to be easier to deal with, right? Like I compare it to like, if you've ever been around a young child and like a two or three-year-old will walk up to you and be like, Billy loves the color yellow and you don't know who Billy is. And you're like, oh, cool. Like you can say that to your brain too. Your brain can say, we're too tired to wake up. And you can say, oh, oh, cool that you think that brain, I'm still gonna get up, right? So if you can convince yourself out of getting up in the morning, you can convince yourself into getting up in the morning. Um, So mental awareness. And then three is like, if you're struggling with a behavior backtrack to the very, very first part of that behavior. So when I'm struggling and make a tiny decision, I forgot to say that I am such a big fan of tiny, tiny decisions. So if I'm struggling and I'm feeling like I don't want to go to the gym, what I will do is I will ask myself, Karen, yes or no. Am I going to take pre-workout right now? Because I know that that pre-workout is the first part of the gym going process. And it's much easier for me to say, yeah, I can take some pre-workout versus, yeah, I can go to the gym. That decision might be out of my like area of ability right now, but the tiny decision to do the first thing is, and that gets the snowball rolling and then everything else becomes easier. Yeah. Um, do you buy into the like lowering the barrier of choice and mental fatigue and injury thing? Like the class, like I, Regis makes fun of me. I put my gym clothes out every single day. If yeah. I have a 9 a.m. training session with my coach, even though 9 a.m. is hours after I get up, but it stresses me out because I'm like, I don't have enough time to get ready. So I lay out that damn outfit every yeah. time I'm feeling stressed because I know you will feel less stressed if your clothes are there. Like that's yes. one decision that you don't have to make to get yourself out of the door. Right? I think people would be way happier if they treated themselves like toddlers. Right. So I do. I, say, I call I, it idiot. I called it. I went through a phase. This is how I fixed all my self-help behaviors, like all the <laughs> shit that I hated. I called it idiot proof my, my life for myself. 
Yeah. That's what I did. I idiot proofed my life. I child proofed my life for myself. Yeah. So I'm glad. Okay. Yeah. And it's a compassionate thing to do because like, so I deal with a lot of people who struggle with bedtime issues, right? Yeah. And with bedtime issues, it's like, oh, well, what are you doing at bedtime? You're watching TV until 1030, which is like stimuli, stimuli, stimuli. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I got to go to bed. You don't give yourself any warning. There's no kind of wind down. Imagine if you put a toddler in front of a very stimulating toy for two and a half hours. And then you said, bedtime, no warning, nothing else. There would be screams, there would be cries, there would be a fit thrown, right? And it's like, we're not different than we were as toddlers. Like we're really not that evolved from that stage of life. So the more you can be compassionate and like give yourself transition time, make things easier, make the, um, make what you want to do easy and available, right? Yeah. So easy, available, and obvious, really, those are the three. Mm-hmm. So put that pre-workout on the counter or put out your clothes for working out the night before, or like I totally buy into the put your candy on the top shelf situation. It's not bad to eat candy. I eat candy when I want to, but when it's at eye level and it's the first thing I see in my pantry when I open my pantry 17 times a day. You're not making a conscious decision that you want to eat it. You're just eating it. Exactly. And that's not restricting yourself. It's it's just, oh, I'm actually choosing my behavior rather than letting my behavior choose me. Right, exactly. So on the middle shelf of our cupboard, is like breakfast. It's it's a whole row of Kodiak cakes, if I'm being honest. It's like five boxes of Kodiak cakes just like next to each other. Because in the middle of the day, I'm not going to want to eat Kodiak cakes. So that makes me force Because it takes to have, effort, and I'm not taking any effort to feed myself. Heaven forbid. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. That's, yeah. that's another tip. No, I love that because I think that is something that a lot of people don't think of. And I love like framing it like – and a lot of people are, that are having these struggles are parents. And it's like, well, what do you do with your kids? You lay out their clothes. Like you you, yeah. you, you wind them down. All I mean, even now we just – because I get like my second swing of energy in the late afternoon and evening, which is annoying because it's like I do try to have a normal bedtime routine. And he says I get like the doggy zoomies. And he'll literally look at me sometimes <laughs> and be like, and it's time to wind down. Like I'm a freaking kid. But I'm like, no, you're right. Like it is time to wind down. But I like yeah. – I have to like treat yourself like a toddler. But like – that and I like that too because I think the the bedtime routine thing, just like the morning routine thing, is the one where like having a routine probably actually does serve you a lot. Like it's the opposite, right? Like people completely neglect a bedtime routine and then overemphasize their morning routine. Where like it's probably better to like overemphasize your bedtime routine. Well, and it doesn't even have to be like I get a lot of people who. Ha- so I inherited a lot of clients from um, my boss technically at Precision, Krista, when she said shut down her coaching practice, she sent all her coaching clients to me and Precision is a Canadian company. So I have this whole group of Canadian moms. I have a large Canadian mom clientele and all my Canadian moms are like dealing with kids at bedtime. Like there's a lot going on. And so they don't have a lot of time for themselves. And so I always tell them like, it doesn't have to be what you think of as a routine. Like it doesn't have to be this like crazy thing, crazy, overwhelming thing. Yeah. Yeah. It can literally just be like you sitting down and like taking three deep breaths before you like try to fall asleep because most people just like lay down in bed and then they're just like, Oh, I'm in bed now. 
I guess I'm going to fall asleep now. Ah, and their brain is spinning, right? Like just Mm -hmm. so literally just take three deep breaths. That can be your bedtime routine. It would be helpful to have more than that if you can. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be a whole crazy thing. Yeah. No, I like that because I feel like I can significantly tell whenever I wind down versus don't wind down. And I like to think I'm someone who can do go, go, go up until I go to bed and you don't. Yeah. You don't. Maybe some people can get away with that. Um, But I feel like with all things with behavior change or fitness and health, once you know how good you feel when you do the thing, it's a lot easier to keep doing the thing. Do I want to check my email at 9 p.m.? Yes. Do I let myself check my email at 9 p.m. anymore? (laughs) No. Like spinny, I am the definition of spinny brain. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I mean, everyone now. I feel like we've all been sitting at home for the last year with our own spinny brains. So I love that. Okay. So the last thing is you take all of this, and you talked a little bit about this with your job with precision and like your your course things that you're creating. I don't know what you're officially calling them, courses. Um, Courses, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you are like really good with curriculum design, right? Yes. And not only curriculum design, but like communicating and teaching and educating. So can you talk to like curriculum design, but also like how people, we, we talked about this a little before the podcast, but like could just make better educational materials as a whole. Like if you're a coach and you feel like we trash talked to you this whole time, we love you. We think you're doing great. You can just, <laughs> do, you can just do better. Um, we can all do better though. Right. Yeah. And so can you talk to ways that people can, if they're making a course or maybe writing even eBooks or slides or Instagram, social media content, email content, whatever they're choosing for their educational outlet, how they can teach better during yes. this? So let me clarify. There are a lot of people out there who will tell you how to create a course, but most of those people are not going to teach you how to create a course. They're going to teach you how to launch a product. And the people who are going to teach you how to create a course oftentimes are uh, like retired teachers or they have been teachers, but they taught at like the third grade level, which like, that's great. Teaching is awesome. I have all the respect in the world for teachers, but adults learn significantly differently than third graders. So my expertise is really adult education and how do we make content accessible, understandable, and learnable for adults. And so if you're a fitness person out there and you have any kind of educational material, whether that's a freebie, whether that's a challenge, whether that's a course, or you're trying to create those types of things, I have a course called the six hour syllabus, which takes you through that course creation process in six hours using like evidence-based best practices. Some of which include, so one, super basic, Define your key terms. So a lot of people don't realize, especially really smart people, don't realize that other people are not at that level. So just like throwing in the occasional definition, and I get it, there's a limited caption space on Instagram. So if this is like on Instagram, you don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be in every post, but like really like consistently defining the terms that you're throwing around and viewing as like, totally 100% understandable for everybody, that can be helpful and can help people in your audience come in and really engage with you because finally you've actually told them what reverse dieting is instead of just calling it a reverse. And they're like, what the heck is a reverse? I don't know. I'm new here. What's going on? Yeah. So that's one thing. Second thing is like give more chances for people to 
apply before they implement. So if you are teaching, so for example, like I'm teaching this morning course. In the morning course, I am giving three case studies where people read about someone else's life and someone else's morning, and they use what they learned in the curriculum to pinpoint the issues and to offer advice. That is application. Then I ask them to like write down a list of things they might want to include in their morning routine. That's implementation. The application actually needs to come before the implementation because people are very, like people really struggle with implementing something in their own life. Because guess what? You're biased about your own life, but you're not biased about a worksheet or like a, a matching thing where you're matching terms. Like if there's a point where you can grapple with the material, check your understanding, that kind of stuff, that's going to be really helpful in getting them to actually implement successfully. Um, and then the last thing is like, don't, like you have to make it fun. You have to make it engaging. Like student engagement is a massive, massive thing that we study over in like my ed psych half of the world. And there are kind of four ways. So there's agentic engagement, behavioral engagement, cognitive engagement, and emotional engagement. So when that comes, like when that translates into the world of Instagram or the world of content creation, that looks like agentic engagement is like people's agency to interact with you. So give people chances to interact with you. Behavioral is like, give them ways to actually behave, like give them things to do that help them learn your curriculum. Cognitive is give them chances to think about it. So put the content in a variety of situations. Try to write things in a way that shift people's perspectives. That's a big one. My content does really well because it shifts people's perspectives. And then the fourth one is just make it emotional. Um, and you can do that on Instagram by just like being honest, right? Like you and I both are very honest in our posts about our lives. And that's what like people rave about that. So yeah, no, I mean, that really applies again. I love when I find out science supports the way I do things. But maybe <laughs> I like to think it's just because I'm fundamentally more logic that I just end up by default falling into these patterns, which makes sense. Or maybe it's because I'm science branded. Yeah. But I love that because that's usually advice that I give to people anyway when it's on Instagram. Maybe not specifically. I like that, like the the implementation versus like application uh, thing because I've yeah. never heard that. But like, I mean, I teach classes and it's hard to get people to engage. And so I think I've like learned how to be a better teacher and educator and communicator by doing what I do on Instagram because like, here's the thing. I said this years ago on Stan Dutton's podcast, like before I was even a, anybody in the industry. And it was like, I'm really good because I can take boring shit and make it yes. entertaining. And that is something that a lot of people struggle with because they're just being so dry. And they are not either one mixing in their own personality or they're right. not figuring out a way to get it to where people like, well, why do people want to read your reverse dieting post? Why, why do they want to read yours and not someone else's? Like, why is yours different? Why is, what is yours offering them? Why does yours grab their attention? Does the algorithm hate you or does your content just suck? You know what I mean? Like, yep. that's a mean and honest, frank truth. But also the emotional component is something people really underestimate is that they just try to be really clear cut, dry, share, share, share. But like people want to get to know people. Yes. One, people love to talk about themselves. Two, people want to relate, even if right. sometimes people try to over-relate and I'm like, please let me breathe over here. <laughs> um, but people want to talk about themselves. People want to relate. They want to see themselves and read themselves in your captions and stuff like that. 
And so if you're struggling with these things that she listed, I mean, you should probably just go buy her product, but I'm validating that what she's saying works because it's the same general application that I think probably anyone who's successful in the social media space in the educational psychom space, like we're not yeah. talking some spaces, people are successful for very different reasons, but they're essentially applying the things that she's talking about here. And so, um, yeah, I like that. And I like that it, it fits in, but if you pay attention to any page that is doing well, that's exactly what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Like, because it's just like, especially any page that is teaching. So that's really what I do is like, yeah, the teacher I want to be really clear. Like I'm not a business coach. I'm not going to teach you how to launch. I'm not going to teach you how to grow your account. I don't know how to do that. I have only launched things twice and I have a thousand followers. So like, let's be really clear. <laughs> I'm not going to teach you how to do those things. Yeah. However, I can teach you how to go from being an amazing coach to be an, an amazing teacher. And those teaching skills are going to help your business. Like point blank period. They're just going to help. Yeah. I don't think people understand that coaching is essentially a form of teaching. It is. I think they are different, but yes, it is. Yeah. Not, you know, and they're not exactly the same, but they overlap in ways that I think people think that coaching is just telling people what to do and that's right. it. And then you clock yes. out for the day and you're like, well, I told you what to do. So yes. that's it, right? We're done here. Um, yep. Which is a very naive earlier mindset, I think, in that as well. So awesome. Well, on that note, can you tell people where they can find you, how they can use your product and program, either the one you're coming out with, the morning one, um, yes. or the curriculum design if they want to learn more about actually like how to make better educational content for people. Yep. So three things. One, um, I do currently offer one-on-one -on -one coaching for people who consider themselves to be like, I call it like hard changers. So if you feel like you've read the self-help books, you've done the courses, you've done everything, and you still can't figure out how to change your behavior, I'm probably the right coach for you. I don't know exactly when this podcast is launching. Usually, like I don't have any spots open right now. When I open them, they usually fill incredibly quickly. So I have no idea what the availability for that will be. I'm also like temporarily taking private coaching off my roster for a hot minute to kind of build some more curriculum into that. So that's an option. It's there. Keep an eye out for it. Um, number two, I have a course that's called the six hour syllabus. If you're a wellness professional, this course is for you. It literally takes you through the process of going from like a rough idea of something you maybe want to create a course about to like having a fully outlined first course complete with like how long it will take you to do everything, all the titles, all of the like learning objectives, everything. Um, and that's like really perfect if you're like nervous or overwhelmed about creating your first course or educational product, it is really built with a mindset component for people who feel kind of that imposter syndrome. Yeah. And then the third thing is that I have a course called the meaningful mornings mini course. And that is literally a deep dive into behavior change surrounding your morning routines. Um, so those are the three ways to work with me as of right now. In fall of 2021, there may be more, um, but you can go to Karin PhD is my Instagram handle. Um, so it's just K-A-R-I-N-N-O-R-D-I-N-P-H-D. You can put it in the show notes too, I'm sure. Yes, um, I'll link all that there. Yes. So that's my Instagram handle, Karin PhD. And then my website is bodybrainalliance.com. So you can find me either one of those places. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in and chatting about all of the things. Yes. Hopefully you guys benefited from this. I feel like there's a lot of really good takeaways from all of this. I feel like this is an episode where you take notes on these things. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, I suck for these reasons. This is what I have to do. All right. But I think it works because I think a lot of people, self-help books, culture, well, I'm sure some of them are good. I don't know. Yeah. I'm skeptical now. You've made, you've, you've, I don't trust anything anymore. <laughs> um, I only read Wimmore's now. Um, but with that being said, thank you so much for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you did, make sure to share, tag me, tag Karin. Let us know if you loved it. Rate, review, subscribe, download, tell your dog, tell your neighbor, tell your friends. We <laughs> always really appreciate it here. Um, and we will link everywhere that you can find her and everything she mentioned here in the show notes here today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And guys, until next week, live well, demand better, and stay messy.